Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Today, we're joined by James Sharp, the Sharp End, to discuss Leicester City's defeat to Manchester City. Um, before we start, usual yeah. thing, beer52.com, mustn't forget, beer52.com, if you want your free beer, go to beer52.com, use the uh, hash line Leicester, and you can register for your free beer, eight beers from around the world, and all you have to do is pay the postage and pack in, but go there and register to get that free beer. Now, James, yeah. um, you come in on a, a Monday after a Leicester City defeat on a Saturday, and it can be hard to lift you sometimes, but yeah. not quite so bad uh, this weekend. Why is that? Um, because sometimes you do have to just take off whatever hat you're wearing, shrug your shoulders, smile and shake the hand of an opposition that is just better than you. Yeah. And on Saturday, Leicester played against a team that were quite simply better than them, and they are better than any team in that division. And if you listen to Claude Puel, better than any other team in Europe. And sometimes you do find yourself up against a, a team that is better than you and they beat you and that's what happened. Well, normally after Leicester City defeat, we try and find that, you know, dissect the whole thing yeah. and try and uh, work out where it all went wrong, what needs improving and, and, and so forth. But with this, you just have to put it down to the fact they're up against a side that are on a, a fantastic run of yeah. uh, results. I mean, that was their 10th consecutive Premier League victory. Eight points clear at the top of the Premier League and it just looks like nobody can stop them. And it's in such a contrast to a year ago when we yeah. covered City's victory over Man City at the King Power Stadium. They were three 0 up after twenty minutes. Mm. Um, the Pep Guardiola system was being uh, ridiculed and criticised. It worked so well for him at Barcelona and at Bayern Munich, but people were saying, "Oh, it's not going to, it's not going to work in English football unless he changes something." And he was certainly asked a lot about tackling and that, and he said, oh, "I'm not, not the coach for the tackles." Well. He stuck to his guns, hasn't he? That's something I know you admire him for. He stuck to his guns and it's certainly paying off for him. Yeah, I mean, being sat in his press conference, you, it, it was became very easy, quick, very apparent very easily just how much he believes in his own philosophy, to use that phrase, and how, much, and how easy it is to, to be drawn in with it and how passionate he is about it. He was asked what's changed between that defeat to Leicester last season and then the one this time what's changed you, you mentioned the tackles and he just spoke for about two three minutes so passionately about the reason why they're doing it this season is because they're playing simpler than they were before they they got caught out by Leicester last time not because they weren't tackling but because they were making mistakes up the field losing the ball and Leicester could could attack at the back as well they yeah were exactly giving the ball away at the back. He, he was saying that's when counter-attacks happen is when you do things that you don't need to do with the ball give the ball away and then you get hurt he says this season they're playing more sim- they're playing simpler, they're just playing short, simple passes, no more than one or two touches, passing moving. It's interesting because he was talking about overcomplicating it. I mean that first move that they that they made and some of the, the moves they were making look really complicated because they're just so quick and fast. But when you break them down, all they are is like one touch passing and moving. And he says they're playing more sim they're playing simpler football this season and that's why they're able to 
to be so dominant because they aren't getting caught out because they aren't trying to play 40-yard passes and being hit or playing stupid things and just keeping it simple. And that simplicity is is just is beautiful at times. And that it? was borne out by the first goal, wasn't it? I mean, it was a, a sweeping move that yeah. made City look like mannequins at times. It was just one-twos and uh, around the corner and the little ball in for Silver who's carried on his run. Riyad Mahrez has gone in and gotten a little bit deep and played him on side yeah. and then he's just calmly rolled it inside. Pep, for, Pep for described Jesus. that goal in his press conference as, as being like his perfect goal because... And I think what he enjoyed the most, and he mentioned it, was the fact that Silva didn't shoot. Silva slid it across to Jesus to pass it in. Pommy almost thinks that had Silva shot and scored, Pep still wouldn't have been happy because he would have wanted that extra pass so that Jesus had the simplest finish possible, and that's what he had. A little tap in, yeah. yeah. But that sort of, we forget about the fact that for 30 minutes, City looked pretty good. I mean, Put uh, Claude yeah. Puel, uh changed his system again. Yep. Surprised us all with a four-one-four-one system with Mark Brighton playing yeah. as a centre midfield. Wilfred Ndidi sitting in front of the back four. Uh, all Brighton and Abora pushing on. Now I spoke to Mark Brighton in the mix zone while you were doing the, the managers, yeah. and he was saying that he was asked to put pressure on Silva and De Bruyne, and I imagine Abora was as well mm. when they try and play out from the back because they were tra- trying to play out from. Um, goal kicks and spreading the play by having Jesus standing in, in what effectively is an offside position but he's not offside from a goal kick so they've got the option of going long so City can't push all the way up and squeeze so they're going to press uh, high up the pitch with not a lot of reinforcement mm. behind them and that creates space for Man City to knock the ball through and he was saying you know he was asked to, us to go and press De Bruyne and Silva but there was people dropping in pockets behind them and they were out of the game yeah. it was a great master uh, a great team um, ethic from them as well the work rate was high but the game plan was brilliant and uh, you know so with City set up to try and nullify that and credit to Puel for, mm. for being brave enough to change that and he's shown with bringing Ben Chilwell in, the, in his first game as a left winger and now Michael Brighton moving somebody who normally plays on the left yeah, wing we thought Cloudy was the team commander yeah he, he really is changing things around and he's trying to experiment and get to know his players and and for, I, thought, I thought for 30 minutes, City looked pretty good. Yeah, I think that's, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it, it's little consolation to say that Leicester lost well. I mean, it, it means nothing because you, you, you've, you've got no points. But look at Man City's results. They've, beat, they've had two, two five nils, a 6 nil, a 7-2. They blow teams away. And while it was, it was comfortable and at the end they were just passing the ball around just for passing the ball around's sake, Leicester weren't, weren't obliterated. So I thought Leicester played okay, and like you say, for the first thirty minutes, first first ten minutes, they they and we'll get to the red card incident in in a minute. But I bet there's loads of City fans sitting there thinking, why haven't they mentioned that? Yeah, we'll we get to that. Do. Yeah, um, they they went almost toe to toe really, and then but eventually they get into their groove. Leicester are chasing a lot and start to tire, and you're just willing them to get into half time nil nil, weren't you? As soon as that goes in, you're on. You're on a downer, and then as soon as the second goal comes, you are. It, it really does look well. Bad. The timing of the goal was obviously the first one yeah. before half time, and then the second one within seconds of City striking the post, deflected Harry Maguire effort, strikes the post, they sweep up the other end, and De Bruyne cracks one in from 20 yards yeah. with his left foot in the top corner. And you think, well, what can you if do? If those about moments that? don't go your way, yeah. Against a team like Man City, you know you're struggling. Well, one moment that certainly didn't go yes, City's way, and we're going to address it now. Red card for Vincent Company. Should it have been a red instead of a yellow? Yes, it should. I um, think most people would be in agreement. Yeah, it? except for the, the referee and uh, Man City themselves. Yes, I mean, when cause some people on social media were saying, "Well, haven't they got rid of the denying ghost goals from opportunity red card issue?" And that is only the case if it happens in in the box 
um, if it's well, if it's a handball, it's a red card in the box and whatever. But if it's if it's outside the box, then if he's denying a goal scoring opportunity, then it is a red card offence. And now the referee has to uh, consider four things when a foul happens, and that is how far away from goal it is, uh, what the direction of play was, whether that's towards goal, uh, the defenders, other defenders in the surrounding area and them getting back, and also the chances or likelihood of the fouled player uh, gaining or uh, regaining possession of the ball. And you look at all those things and take them in order. Vardy was miles away from goal, but he was clean through. Abora's pass was towards goal. The direction of play was towards goal. Uh, Vardy, the ball was in Vardy's stride and he would have just taken a few more steps and he would have gained control of the ball. And John Stones, while he was to the to the left of Vardy, Vardy w- was almost up to full speed and full and he and would the, never and, have no, he wouldn't. Vardy and that, that's that's Puel's, Puel's argument is Vardy at full speed, you you aren't catching him. Even John Stones isn't catching him at all. Uh, so in that sense, it's a red card. But Graham Scott, the referee, it was so early in the game, which well, I think was the overriding factor. The t- I mean, it, it time shouldn't pay. It, I know it shouldn't, it shouldn't, it shouldn't it pay does, anything, yeah. but it shouldn't matter. But he is only human, isn't he? He's only human, so he will he will see if there are mitigating factors for that not to be the case. And from his angle, he was slightly to the right of of Abora. so from that angle, it would have looked like Stones was slightly closer to Vardy than he was. And then once the tackle happens, Vardy goes down. Stones continues that tracking run behind him, and in in the blink of an eye. Stone suddenly is in a covering position, and that happened so quickly that Graham Scott would would look at it and think, so early in the game, I've got enough mitigating circumstances for me to just show a yellow, even though it, it should have been a red. Well, Vincent Company stopped in the mix zone after the game, Did he? and he was asked about that about the uh, the red card. Was it a red card? And he had a wry smile on his face, and he said something along the lines of, uh, "They used his get out of jail card." on that one because it was so early in the game so I think he sort of suspected he was or feared he was going to get shown the red I think Kevin De Bruyne said he thought it was the right decision um, Pep said it was the right decision surprisingly yeah. but I think they're, I think they're in the minority most people would have said but the big question then is would it? what sort of difference would that have yeah. made I mean we'll never know ultimately but uh, you know against 10 men you know, with ten men, are they going to find it a bit more difficult to play that passing style with uh, one less man on the pitch? They're such a quality side, and they're on such a roll that uh, they probably would have still gone on and uh, performed well for the game. But it certainly would have given City a yeah, chance. And against a side of their quality, who are so high in confidence, um, having a, a, a numerical advantage is going to have to be a, a especially big factor. Got, when you've got um, the atmosphere in, in the King Power anyway, and and the, the, what that builds and. With that, if a red card goes there, it's going to be there's a frenzy there in in the in the stadium. Like you say, in the long run, would it, would they still have won the game? I know we've, we've had a chat about it on the sports desk. Our colleague Jordan thinks Man City still would have won, mm. um, but we never know, do we? Um, and this is I mean, it raises the other debate, isn't it? That we get to see replays of this and we get to see camera angles. Graham Scott he gets one view of this and has to make a decision yeah. straight away. If the video referee comes in and you can have a look at that. And you can have a look at that. I think while there are lots of grey areas in the whole VAR scenario, if a video referee—that's one. Of the, this is one of the situations where, if you look at it again, replays would show you that it would be a red card. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Hopefully those will come in, but sooner rather than later. I know they're being experimented now, and they're certainly cleaning up the game. Uh, let's go talk about half time, and there was. Uh, 
uh, and a, a very popular figure with yes, himself yeah. and with all Leicester City fans, it would seem, by the rapturous ovation he was given when he walked out on the pitch. Esteban Cambiasso returned yeah. at Leicester City. Yes, he did. And he said some wonderful words for the fans, didn't he? He did. I mean, he knows, he knows how, he knows how to play the crowd, and he knows what to say, and and when to say it. And in the room, I'd seen rumours about it starting and on social media the night before. People saying that they'd heard that, that Cambiasso would be there. Big mates with Leo Ujo. Yes, of course he's, yeah. And um, so we heard about it before the game and, and the club started tweeting pictures about it. And I thought it was... Really, I thought it was... I mean, I, I make no bones about the fact that I, I love the man. Mm. <laughs> um, it, was, it, was, it was good because he, he never really got a chance to say bye. I mean, the last time Leicester fans had seen him on that pitch was when he was bowing to them after scoring against QPR and that kind of fitting... That, that was a fitting goodbye in a sense, but all Leicester then heard from him was was a statement on his Facebook page to say he wasn't rejoining. He never really had the chance to, to say a goodbye. And he was always going to get a great reaction from the fans. And what, the, the phrase he used was, no, I was only at Leicester one year, but I'll be a supporter all my life. He, he couldn't have said anything better than that. He couldn't have said anything more more fitting to, to, to make fans love him more. And when he's asked about coaching and whether he'd want to come back and coach Leicester one day, he left that door open as well. Yeah, it was just lovely, wasn't it? Well, I caught him in the mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not through. jealous about that. Yeah, all. yeah. So he managed to stop for me, which uh, he didn't do when he was playing much. He didn't stop to talk, <laughs> speak to the media. He didn't like speaking to the media, and uh, but he did on this occasion, and uh, he said the same thing. Yeah, you know, I was only here one year, but I'm a Leicester fan all my life. How thrilled he was to see them the next season go on to win the title, and he shared that with all the city. Uh, fans and uh, he'd won 21 titles the most decorated man in Argentinian football history and he spent a lot of time at Inter Milan and Real Madrid you know played a couple of giants of the of the game and he said that one season when he was battling relegation in the Premier yeah. League for most of the season with Leicester City was up there as one of his most enjoyable of his career yeah I mean like, I was saying for, for, for a guy that was only here for a season at a club that has since gone on to win the Premier League title to play in the Champions League to enjoy Moments far greater than battling out at the bottom of the Premier League, he is still revered mm. among as above really any other former player at the minute in recent history. I think, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the mark of the man, really. And whether he part of him wishes he'd, he'd stuck stuck along yeah, a little bit longer, I don't I don't know. Whether he would have whether he would have whether he would have uh, whether he would have had the same kind of impact the following year, another year in the legs, I don't know. But well, he played two more years at Olympiacos, yeah. didn't he? So there was a bit of football left in him. Yeah, I mean, but okay. obviously not the intensity of the exactly, Premier League. Yeah. So that might have been. I think the fact that it was only the one season kind of enshrined it in that he couldn't because mm. there, there were concerns whether the following season he wouldn't quite be the same and that that legacy might be tarnished. Mm. But no, it was that one season which which kind of enshrined it in in Leicester folklore, and he left he, did, he left a legend and has returned a legend, and he will always be so among Leicester fans. Well, let's turn our attention now uh, briefly because we'll get onto this a bit more in the week. But uh, West Ham United away on Friday night. All is not well at the City of London Stadium, is it? No, um, that is going to be a completely different test. I mean, look at Man City blowing everyone away. West Ham look look really poor. Well, the fans are up in arms. They're having a go at their ownership. They don't yeah. like the appointment of the new manager. Yeah. Even though they wanted the old manager gone as well. They don't seem to be behind the players. It's right for an away win, isn't it? Oh, big time. Yeah, I spoke to a, um, I spoke to a West Ham fan the other night and he said, well, at least if we get relegated, we can play Millwall next season. I mean, they're already looking 
that's that's remarkable. He's, he's given up. Yeah, they're already they're all already resigned to not 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 their fate, but the whole atmosphere around the, the club seems just to be one that's a real like a real toxic one. Every everyone's not get everyone's hating each other. I mean, the stories that when Billich was in charge, he was a very popular manager with the fans. Players were rocking it when they wanted. There was no sense of discipline. It was it was just people referring it to a bit of like a holiday camp, and lots of kind of high profile names who are probably in the who are in the kind of autumns of their career, not gelling. It's just it it's really is a mess. Yeah, I mean it's going to be a strange atmosphere for for City to go into. Actually, I mean I mean I know we're saying that's to their advantage, but it's going to be a an awkward sort of atmosphere as well when you know you've got that lingering around such a, a massive stadium. Now I've been to the old uh, bowling Upton Park yeah. ground many many times. It was always an intimidating atmosphere there, red hot yeah. atmosphere, especially under lights mm. like it will be on Friday. Great atmospheres, uh, but you know you, you knew that uh, you were away you know, as an, somebody who was associated with the away team that it was going to be a bit vociferous. Totally different at this new ground. It's been you know, those pockets of fans now here, there, and everywhere that can't really get generate that same atmosphere and. Uh, um, we saw City go there last season and get a very rare away win. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it, it looks like on the cards they could get another one. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I mean, everyone talks about the stadium a lot and 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 have done, um, but it isn't. It, it's not built for football. It's not built for a football atmosphere. You're so far away from the ground. And when I were covering old ground, they've covered this hmm. a long time. But I remember last year when we went, it just felt odd. And there's like kind of gaps between fans. There's like fake. Temporary seating. It looks like this concourse, basically in the stand where you you would have when you're at a concert. Mm. It's not really conducive to generating an atmosphere to get your home team going, and especially when they need that. I'm I'm confident Leicester can go there and get something. Uh, well, you're going for a thrill before the game, aren't you? You're going on a big slide. <laughs> well, yeah, we've been asked if we want to go on it. Well, you can do it. I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just sit and have a cup of that. coffee in there and just wait for the football uh, to begin. But hopefully, you'll be my guest. Hopefully, that's that's not the only excitement we we have when we when we get there. To be fair, but I'm 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 happy to do that. Well, thank you very much for tuning in today. Don't forget to join the uh, the, the, the debate on the Mercury website and our Facebook page. We've got all the stories, reaction to Saturday's defeat to Manchester City and all the build-up to the West Ham game on there. Don't forget to go to beer52.com as well to register for your free beer and join us again next time.